Stanley Jones is a Bible scholar and author. He said this, prayer is surrender. Surrender to the will of God and cooperation with that will. If I throw out a boat hook from a boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. Prayer is one way we line up under God and ask God to do what he wants in us and others because what God wants to do in us and others is best for us and others. As David said years ago in Psalm 33 and verse 4, for the word of the Lord is right and all his works are trustworthy. We can always trust God to do what is right in and for us and in and for those who are around us. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to open them to the book of Acts, the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 13. We are continuing in our sermon series on prayer titled Lifeline, Getting Help from God Through Prayer. And we are moving forward this morning in our Send Sunday. Today is our Send Sunday, and I'll explain that more to you as we make our way through this passage. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. Luke recorded the start and spread of the New Testament church from Jerusalem throughout the Mediterranean world in the book of Acts. We know that Luke, in the book of Acts, shined a spotlight on the power of God and his work in his people and in his church. And in Acts chapter 13, in verse 1, Luke is writing to us about one particular church that we're going to focus our attention on this morning. We're going to learn a little bit about and how this church a couple of thousand years ago is very similar to our church today, specifically this morning. In Acts 13 and verse 1, Luke wrote these words, in the local church at Antioch. And let me stop there so that I can give you a little bit of a background to this local church in Antioch so you know what's going on and then we'll continue reading uh, through verse 1 and beyond. Uh, Antioch, this church, was located in Antioch of Syria, which was located about 300 miles north of Jerusalem along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It was a large city, the third largest city in the Roman world at this point in time. It was a very strategic city, an important city, especially as it relates to the spread of Christianity. We know, based on our knowledge of the Old Testament, if you go back into the Old Testament, you understand and realize that the disbursement of the Jews from the area of Jerusalem, from Israel, from the Palestine area there, began with the foreign nations of Assyria and Babylon as they uh, came and took uh, captive the people of Israel and Judah and took them into exile. That was hundreds and hundreds of years before we see uh, the coming of the New Testament and what we're reading about this morning. That ultimately began the disbursement of the Jews throughout the Mediterranean world. In this passage we're looking at, we know in the book of Acts that Jewish Christ followers spread out from Jerusalem into the Mediterranean world due in large part to the persecution that was coming against the church, that was coming against the Christ followers in the first church in Jerusalem. We'll read about that at the beginning of the book of Acts. As these Jewish Christ followers spread out 
into the Mediterranean world, they continued to preach and teach Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and exalted. They continued to preach and teach Jesus Christ as the only way into a relationship with God. Faith in Jesus Christ as the way into a relationship with God. And so these Jewish Christ followers spread out as far north as Antioch of Syria. And Jews living in Antioch were placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because of the ministry of the church there. We also know some Greek-speaking Jewish Christ followers came to Antioch from Cyrene and from Cyprus, and they began to share the good news of Jesus Christ in Antioch with the Greek-speaking Gentiles who were there, and some Gentiles were placing their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. So in Antioch, we see God doing an amazing God work. God stuff was happening. Jews and Gentiles alike were placing their faith and trust in Christ Jesus in the church at Antioch. God was blowing up this church, and news about this got back to the first church in Jerusalem. News got back to the leaders, the pillars, Peter, James, and John, the back of the first church in Jerusalem. They started to hear about what was happening at this church in Antioch. And so they decided, we need to send Barnabas, and we need to send him up to Antioch to check things out, find out what's going on, to make sure everything's okay. Because they fully didn't understand at that point, back in the first church in Jerusalem, they were beginning to wrap their minds around the reality that they didn't quite fully grasp. And that reality was through faith and trust in Christ Jesus, Jews and Gentiles alike are one with the Lord. Salvation is available to all through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So they told Barnabas, I need you to go check things out. So Barnabas was a man of faith. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He made his way to Antioch. And when Barnabas got to Antioch, he was amazed at what he saw in the church. He rejoiced that God was at work saving Jews and Gentiles alike in this church in Antioch. He was overjoyed and excited. And so he encouraged the believers there, Jews and Gentiles alike, to remain true to the Lord there in Antioch. He was so excited that he left Antioch and he went to Tarsus. And he got Saul, who we also know as Paul, out of Tarsus. And he said, hey, I need you to come back with me. And so Saul and Barnabas went back to Antioch and they preached and they taught and they loved on the believers in Antioch for a full year. The believers were first called Christians. You want to trace this word and this moniker, this name, Christians. How do we get the nickname of being Christians, uh, little Christ's followers of Jesus? It goes all the way back to Antioch, Assyria. Because the scripture tells us that the believers were first called Christians in Antioch because of the sincerity and the power of the witness of these believers and the church in Antioch. We know that the church in Antioch, they called Barnabas and Saul and said, we need you guys to go to Jerusalem and to take an offering to the believers in Jerusalem because there was a famine that was coming to Jerusalem. The believers there were in great need financially. And so they collected an offering and Barnabas and Saul left and delivered the offering to the leaders and the believers there in the church in Jerusalem. Then after doing that and communicating with them, then they made their way back to Antioch. Barnabas and Saul back at the church at Antioch. Quick side note, we know that Saul uh, had already placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That happened on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9. 
Saul was his Hebrew name. Saul was named after uh, King Saul uh, in the Old Testament, Hebrew name. Paul was his Greek name. Saul, even after he came to faith and trust in Christ Jesus, continued to go by the name Saul until a little bit later, if you continue to read, past where we'll read this morning, if you continue reading down in Acts 13, you'll notice that in Acts 13, Paul began to go by that, his Greek name of Paul, once the church sent him out on his first missionary journey. He was going to minister to the Gentiles throughout the Mediterranean world, and he would receive a better reception from them if he went by the name, the Greek name Paul. And so that transition happened kind of organically as he continued doing what God was calling him to do. But at this point in time, we now have a little bit of the background. Barnabas and Saul are back at the church at Antioch after what we just described. And so we pick back up. In the local church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is also called Niger, Lucius the Cyrenian, Menaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So the question is, why did the church at Antioch send out Barnabas and Saul? Well, to answer that question, we're going to need to turn to your left and go all the way back to the book of Matthew. Turn to your left and go back to Matthew. We're answering the question, why did the church at Antioch send out Barnabas and Saul? We'll find that answer And then we'll connect it back to us this morning as we make our way back to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote the Gospels. Uh, They trace the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. We'll look at Matthew, much of Matthew's account. And so we'll kind of summarize as we make our way through. Uh, Matthew wrote about the earthly ministry of Jesus. We know that Matthew told us about John the Baptist. John was the forerunner to Jesus. John went before Jesus to tell the people about Jesus, who was to follow after him. Jesus then came to John the Baptist and asked John the Baptist to baptize him in the Jordan River. And so Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, Scripture says, to fulfill all righteousness, which means to fulfill the plan that God had called Jesus to in his earthly ministry, to obey God's plan for his life fully. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. We find that Matthew tells us, After his baptism, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he spent a time period of 40 days and nights fasting and praying to God and meditating uh, on the Father's truth and communicating with God. And after that period of 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was tempted by Satan on three different occasions and Jesus passed each temptation by quoting scripture. It was shortly after that that Jesus began his earthly ministry, his earthly preaching and teaching ministry, and he started it in the Galilee area. And if you look at Matthew 4 in verse 17, we begin to see and pick up with Jesus. Matthew wrote, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus' first sermon was short. It was simple. It was powerful. It was transformational. It was simply repent. 
which means turn from your sin and turn to the Savior Jesus. Repent means to agree with what God says about our sin and our need for the Savior. Repent means to turn from living our way and to have a change of mind and to turn around by faith and trust in Jesus Christ and begin to live God's way. Repent means to understand we're sinners in need of a Savior. We repent from our sins, we confess our sins to God, and we place our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. That was the first sermon. Jesus, it was simple. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now I want to identify over these next few minutes for us some basic truths for us as followers of Jesus Christ. This is not going to break any uh, news for you. You're going to understand these points as we make our way through, but we uh, need to identify these points so that we can make the connection from Matthew to Acts 13 and then from Acts 13 to us this morning. So let's look at uh, a few truths about us as followers of Jesus Christ. Number one, the first truth is, as we place our faith in Jesus, we become disciples of Jesus. As we place our faith in Jesus, we become disciples of Jesus. A disciple is a learner, a student, a follower of Jesus. We understand how this happens. We realize real simply that we are all sinners and we're separated from God because of our sin against God. We've all said, thought, and done things that are in opposition to God's word. Uh, We've all said, thought, and done things that uh, disobey the word of God, and it is our sin that separates us from God. God is perfect and holy. We're imperfect and unholy. Our sin separates us from God, and there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. The only requirement necessary to have a relationship with God is simply be perfect, and we know and realize we failed on that point. Uh, And so we understand and realize what we need is someone who can be perfect for us. Someone who can uh, meet God's standard of perfection for us. Someone who by their work, by their sacrifice, might provide us with an opportunity to have a relationship with God. We need somebody else who can take away our sin and bring us to God because we can't do it on our own. And the gospel tells us that that is exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus met God's standard of perfection. Jesus met God's standard of holiness. Jesus came to this earth, as we're talking about. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. Jesus then died a perfect death on the cross, and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. And so we know and understand the only way we have the opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins is by the pure and precious blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross of Calvary for us. It is by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus that we are able to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God. Once we place our faith in Jesus, we become disciples of Jesus. Second point, as disciples of Jesus, we follow Jesus. Makes sense. We follow Jesus. That's what we see here. Matthew told us in Matthew 4.18. Continue reading with me. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he being Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus said, follow me, which means follow me. We're to follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we become more like Jesus. We follow Jesus as we obey Jesus. As we live how Jesus lived, as we love how Jesus loved, and as we do exactly what Jesus called us to do in his word. One example of this 
is a follower of Jesus prays. Because Jesus made prayer a priority in his life. If we're going to follow him, then that means we must make prayer a priority in our lives. Jesus prayed, and he taught and encouraged his disciples and us to pray. And so following Jesus means we're going to prioritize prayer. That's just one simple example. We know that Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. I will make you fish for people. What he was saying there is real simple. As followers of Jesus, we exist to make followers of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we exist to make followers of Jesus. You realize and understand that God, after he saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, he left us here on earth. He didn't immediately take us home to be with him in glory. He left us here on earth. Why? So that we can tell others that he places around us the good news about Jesus Christ. The same way someone told us the good news about Jesus Christ. So as disciples of Jesus, we follow Jesus. But we also know the third point, as disciples of Jesus, we pray for others to receive Jesus. We see in Matthew, several things continue to happen in Matthew's gospel. As we leave Matthew chapter 4 and we travel through Matthew's gospel, we see real quickly that uh, Jesus, he continued to call his 12 disciples. He was still all throughout the beginning part of Matthew. Matthew was sharing with us how he was taking his time to call his 12 disciples to come follow him. Jesus was also preaching and teaching uh, his disciples and the crowds who were following him. In Matthew's chapter 5 through 7, we have the famous Sermon on the Mount. We see that Jesus was also everywhere he went. He was healing the sick and the lame. Those who brought uh, the sick to him, he was healing them. And so we make our way to Matthew chapter 9, and we read Matthew is sharing with us another moment in the early ministry of Jesus. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness, just as we said. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray. Say that with me. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So follow me. Jesus, as he looked at the disciples and as he looked at the crowds of people that were following him, He was moved by compassion for them. He was moved out of a heart of love for them. Why? Jesus was moved by love and compassion for the crowds and the crowds and the crowds of people who were following him because he understood, he knew that their greatest need was spiritual, not physical. Jesus knew they needed to be born again. Jesus knew they needed to receive forgiveness of their sins. Jesus knew these crowds of people needed to enter into a relationship with God. Though Jesus was at the beginning of his earthly ministry here at this point in Matthew chapter 9, he understood the purpose of his earthly ministry. He understood why he came to this earth. You see, Jesus realized and understood that he came to earth on a rescue mission to save us from our sins. Jesus came to this earth in obedience to the plan of God the Father for his life, and he came to this earth, and he provided us with an opportunity to be rescued from our sins by his perfect life, his perfect death, and his resurrection. You see, Jesus 
Jesus took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sins so that we all might have the opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins and to enter into a relationship with God, which happens as we repent of our sins, confess them to God, and place our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Jesus understood this, so at this point in time in his earthly ministry at the beginning, he began teaching his disciples and his followers, pray, pray, pray to the Father and ask him to send out workers into his harvest. He said, guys, listen to me. As we see all these folks who are following us, They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're lost spiritually. Yes, they have physical needs, but their spiritual needs are far more pressing. He says, pray and ask God to send those who know Jesus to those who don't know Jesus so they can tell them about Jesus. Because the reality is people desperately need Jesus. And in so doing, Jesus began to teach us that our prayer Our prayers play a part in his work of salvation. Our prayers play a part in his work of salvation. You see, the truth is simply this. People are ready to receive Jesus today. They just need us to tell them about Jesus and to pray for them to receive Jesus. That's it. God's the one doing the work. He always has, he always will. They're just waiting. The people around you on a day-by-day basis are just waiting for you to be moved by compassion and love for them so that you might begin to pray for them and tell them about Jesus. Jesus, as always, practiced what he preached. It's a beautiful truth about Jesus. He always practiced what he preached. If you look in Matthew chapter 10, just a few verses later in verse 5, Jesus sent out, say that with me, Jesus sent out these 12 disciples after giving them instructions. Jesus chose his 12 disciples and then he sent them out to the harvest to tell others the good news that salvation was available by God's grace, their faith in Christ Jesus. But not only did Jesus send his 12 disciples, he sent us. Fourth point, as disciples of Jesus, we are witnesses for Jesus. As we continue to make our way through Matthew's gospel, we come to the point where we realize that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He was buried in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again. And after he rose again, he appeared to his disciples and followers over a period of 40 days. The reason he appeared to them was he wanted to make sure that they knew that he was alive, number one, that he was who he says he was, that he did what he said he was going to do. And he wanted to remind them of his calling on them before he left them and the send it into heaven. And so in Matthew 28, in verses 18 through 20, we see the famous Great Commission where Jesus uh, said, as Matthew was writing these words, then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus called, Jesus commissioned his disciples which includes us today, 
to go to others and tell them about Jesus. We know that John agreed, and John said in John 20 and verse 21, then Jesus came to them again and said, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. I also send you. That you is you and me. I also send you. You see, Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus commissioned us to go to those who are far away from us and to those who are very close and near to us to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. And Jesus called us to go and teach others to obey everything he had written in his word. Jesus, in essence, called us to help others come to know him and grow in their faith in him. And then we come to the fifth point that we see, and that is simply as disciples of Jesus, we do God's work in God's power. Jesus knew we could not fulfill his commission, which he just gave us, in our power. Jesus didn't ask us to fulfill his commission in our power. Jesus assured his disciples and us that he would be with us. Jesus assured his disciples and us that he would empower us to do the mission that he had called us to. And we know this based on Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 when Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You see, we understand and realize that we're witnesses for Jesus because the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon us who dwells in us. But you will receive power to do all that I have commissioned to do when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do ministry for Jesus. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell others about Jesus. So now we're into the book of Acts, and we know that Luke told us in the book of Acts, shortly after Acts 1 and verse 8, that Jesus ascended into heaven just as Jesus said he would do, and that the Holy Spirit, God sent the Holy Spirit to indwell the believers in Jerusalem just like Jesus said he would do. And the believers in the church in Jerusalem that we read about in Acts 1 and 2 and following did everything Jesus said to do. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Three constants were happening in the church in Jerusalem. Three constants. Praying, preaching, and sending. Praying, preaching, and sending. The believers in the first church in Jerusalem were devoted to prayer. They were united in prayer. They were praying for themselves. They were praying for one another. They were praying for people to receive Jesus. They were praying for people to grow in their faith in Jesus. They were praying for one another to tell others about Jesus. They were preaching the good news of the gospel. They were preaching Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and exalted. They were preaching Jesus and faith in him as the only way into a relationship with God. They were preaching salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. When Peter, who was the leader in the Jerusalem church, was asked a simple question by the folks there in Jerusalem, what must we do to be saved? Peter preached the same sermon Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 4, and Peter said the same sermon. It was short, it was simple, it was powerful, it was transformational. Peter said, repent. 
Turn from your sin and turn by faith to the Savior Jesus and you will be saved. Repent from your sins. Confess your sins to God. Place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And as they were praying and preaching, God was sending them out as missionaries to those around them and those far from them to tell them the good news of Jesus. There was so much growth and excitement happening in the church in Jerusalem because of what God was doing in this first church that the Jewish religious leaders, officials, and scribes, they got upset and they decided we got to put an end to this church. And so they decided they were going to cause the church to disband. And so they started forcing some of the members of the church in Jerusalem to leave the church and not just leave the church, but to leave Jerusalem, literally to leave and to go out. And so persecution began to come against these believers. And some of the believers in the church in Jerusalem, they literally left the church and left Jerusalem. They had to move into the Mediterranean world, into other cities outside of Jerusalem. This led to the spread of the church throughout the Mediterranean world. This literally led to the start of the first church in Antioch of Syria that we then pick up and read about in Acts chapter 13. There were three constants in the first church in Antioch. They were praying, preaching, and sending. As they were praying and preaching, God was sending them out as missionaries to those close to them and those far from them to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Look at what we read now. We read with full knowledge and understanding in Acts 13 verse 2. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Sit apart from me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I have called them for. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they came down to Selachia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed God's message in the Jewish synagogues. Again, they were preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. That's God's message. And the Jewish synagogues, they also had John as their assistant. They were praying, preaching, and sending. And the New Testament church continues to spread throughout the world today. Today. This work is continuing throughout the nations. There are three constants in our church family. Praying, preaching, and sending. As we keep praying and preaching, God continues to send out missionaries from our church family to go to those far away from us to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's get back to the question. Why did the church send out Barnabas and Saul? The answer is simple, because God said so. Why did God say so? Because people need Jesus. So the next set of questions, why are we 
sending out John and Evie to India, Gabby to Haiti, Jessica to Southeast Asia, and Bailey to Israel. The answer is simple. Because God said so. Why did God say so? Because people need Jesus. We have the joy and privilege this morning to walk in this word. We have the joy and privilege this morning to walk in this word. We have the joy and privilege to do just what our brothers and sisters in Christ in Antioch did thousands of years ago when they laid hands on Barnabas and Saul and prayed for them and sent them out. As we this morning have an opportunity to lay hands on John and Ebby and Gabby and Jessica and Bailey as we encourage and pray for them and send them out to the harvest to tell those who are far away from us the good news of Jesus Christ. We join, we today join with these believers years ago in fulfilling the Great Commission.